What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Khan, is The Ringer's latest narrative podcast? You can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then, cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Bachelor, Kevin <laughs> Verno. It's going to be O'Gobert tonight. <laughs> O'Gobert with 20 rebounds. We just got done watching the Clippers and the Jazz. We did not watch it together, but we did watch it simultaneously. Mm. And the Jazz are able to get game number two. Did get a little dicey for them. They got a huge lead. We got a all-timer first-half performance out of Donovan Mitchell. Then in the third quarter, they're up by 21. Next thing you know, by the time you're in the fourth quarter, the Clippers have the lead. The so, zone! It worked! Yeah, it worked. And... Mm. You know, I, as that game was going on, I I really had a lot of deja vu when I'm trying to jot down notes and I'm trying to think about how we're going to talk about this game. Kev, it there is so much uh, of the feeling that I have that I had after the Dallas games, uh, meaning yeah. Like, Another Friday show too. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, what is going on here? Like, what are you doing? Dor- Doris said the casualness of the Clippers right after they had the consecutive turnovers. It is the casualness, obviously, the miscommunication, and not letting um, 
and letting Joe Ingles just walk into a three when it's a seven-point game, I mean, to make it ten, and the crowd is on top of you anyway. And and here's the thing, Kev. Look, players got to play the game. Coaches got to coach the game. In the end, players decide it. But in my estimation, it is the coach's job to put said players in the best spot for success. I don't have to I look, I'm not going to uh shred Ty Lu over every little thing that happens in that game. In the end, players have to make plays, all right? And some of their players, including their best players like George, have to be better. But in terms of the position that he is putting that team in, to me, it is absolute nonsense. The reason you have these miscommunications down the stretch is because you do something different every game. You don't have your guys. That's This is a overarching theme that has happened with them, which is who are your guys? And why do you abandon it completely? You start the game with Zubats which was stupid anyway, but fine. You let Donovan Mitchell score 10 points in three minutes off this. Um, And then you finally sit it. It's like, all right, are you committed to that or not? Are you committed to Rondo, who you played 13 minutes or or, or whatever he played, uh, uh, whatever minutes he played in the the first game, you played him. Um, And then zero tonight. He's got zero. Are you committed to Terrence Mann? Who you gave zero to tonight? Uh, I guess he got one minute. Couple, couple possessions. One minute. So he's one minute, right? It's like, what are you and who do you want to play? You looked at this matchup. You had a game to analyze this. And then you came back in this second game and you still don't know who you are. And you can tell with that stuff like the Ingles three happens because you're not, as they say, on a string defensively. The communication level isn't there, and there's not the the the, the group that you're used to playing with. I went and looked it up just to see because sometimes the numbers don't match your eyeballs. I'm well aware of that, right? But in this particular case, they do. In the playoffs so far, the lineup that started the game tonight, which was Jackson, Morris, Leonard George, and Zubats, right? So far, in the playoffs, that is their third most used uh, lineup, I believe. They have scored at a pace of 94 points per 100 possessions. They have given up 112 for a minus 18 net rating. And you could call small sample size if you want, but your eyes tell you what, why, why, why are you doing that against this team? Especially when they've got a center that runs away from the basket and sets screen, great screens. He'll get you open and he gets Donovan Mitchell open who could just walk into threes. I mean, this is like base level stuff. And it's like, all right, are you committed to that? And he wasn't committed to that. What did Zubats play? He played less than 15 minutes tonight. It's like, I don't understand. It, it, that, that, that is the goofiest team because they have the players, and maybe he'll figure it out as he did in the Dallas series. 
right? And isn't that just the thing, though, Chris, that for the Clippers last round, the first two games was a big mess. Yes. Didn't know. It was like he was throwing darts trying to figure out what worked. And then they stumbled upon something <laughs> that was more effective. Maybe we'll see that again this series. Maybe we will. However, I would say this, and this is a bad thing for the Clippers. The Utah Jazz are a much better team than the Dallas Mavericks. Luka no is the best player on both of those teams. Luka is one of the best players in the league. But the depth and the quality of the Jazz roster was really apparent in tonight's game. Like, they are a tough problem to solve. You know, when this team gets firing on offense, I know they hit over 50% of their threes, 20 of 39 on the night. It's not like they haven't done this before. They've done it a lot this season. They were the number one shooting team in the NBA this season. They led the NBA in transition threes. Like, they are a dominant shooting team. And they can hit threes off the dribble. You mentioned that Ingles three when he was left wide open. We saw Mitchell hit tons of contested threes off the dribble throughout the entire season and in this game, six of 12 from three. This team is tough to stop and really tough to score against because because of Rudy Gobert and the player that he is in the defensive end of the floor, the deterrent that he is around the rim, that allows those wing defenders to stay close to home on pick and rolls, not have to help off as much. It allows Boyan Bogdanovich, who was absolutely sensational tonight on defense against Kawhi Leonard, to just get underneath him, man, and bother him. He had that play late in the game where he uh, hit the ball away, caused, mm-hmm. uh, caused the jump ball. Utah gets it. That's because of the protection that he has behind him in Gobert that enables those players on the perimeter to just be in the face of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So for the Clippers here, like you're throwing darts the first two games on the road. You're down 2-0. You're not totally out of it. Um, unfortunately, you're going back to Staples Center. They're still going to have the cardboard cutouts. It wouldn't be until game six that the Clippers would have a full Staples Center, full capacity um, to have a true road game for Utah. So it's still going to be those cardboard cutouts when they go home for games three and four. But this Jazz team, man, they're checking the boxes Well, every, single, Kev, every single game. I agree with you completely. And – as someone who covered a team that played that Jazz team in the first round, you wonder when they are not going to make every three they take, seemingly. And <laughs> it's been like this all year. It's It's been like this all year. All and, year. And the question was, will it hold in the postseason? Sure and is. so far, the results are, yes, it does hold in the postseason, and it has so far. Um, I thought it was funny. Gobert did the walk-off interview with Scott Van Pelt. You probably missed it because we were loading up to do this, but I, I, I did miss it. It's the last thing I heard before I went, and uh, Van Pelt was talking about whipping the ball out, and he's like, is there anybody on your team that you don't feel confident th- th- throwing the ball no. to and, and knocking down a three? Is there anybody that doesn't shoot threes? And he said, just me. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. said, but I'm going to break that out at some point. If Gobert pulls, I mean, hell, Giannis tried to. You might as well. Um, <laughs> it's all made of them. Yeah, yeah I'm right. Not, I'm not sure Quinn Snyder will uh, let Rudy do that, like, I, like uh, Booty Holzer oh, no. does with Giannis. Yeah. If, if, if Quinn Snyder has a, a, a blade in his pants, it would not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This guy he constantly looks totally on edge he scares me to death i want to comment on the on the uh you know that your guy in memphis taylor jenkins was an assistant for quinn snyder i know back when it used to be the d league not the same personalities no different guys different guys Uh, heck of a coach quinn snyder yeah let me say regarding what you mentioned about 
going back home to LA and the cardboard cutouts. Um, they have one loony fan, and that is their owner. He's always there yeah, for that's it. That's true, yeah. That, but beyond <laughs> that, I noticed this tonight, and I thought in both games, I thought it was extremely noticeable how amazing the crowds were in oh, Milwaukee yeah. and in Utah. Yes. You know, now these are smaller markets. Many times smaller markets are going to have the rowdiest of, of crowds, like the most excited. But I also think what you're finding around the NBA when you're watching some of these games is people in many cases, this is the first thing that people have done since you know, they've been inside for a friggin' year. And now, in many cases, it's the first time they've been around thousands of people enjoying something, and it adds something more. I felt this way when I was at those playoff games in the first round, that it was it was it was a heightened experience because we didn't get it last year and because we haven't done anything fun for a year. And so, uh, hey man, I, don't tell. I've played a lot of Call of Duty Warzone. I've had a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, with others. And yeah. so, I do think that that is that's a big deal. You can see these waves that these teams get on, and you saw it with Milwaukee, and you saw it with uh, with Utah tonight, where the crowd really, I thought, could play a role in this. And oh yeah, that's a massive disadvantage when you're going back to L.A to play in front of uh, cardboard cutouts. It just is because I do think that it is in some ways impacting these games. And I also just want to mention, um, I thought the announcers in this last game, I want to give a shout out to Mark Jones and Doris Burke. They were fantastic. All night. Fantastic. Yeah. Like, Doris, I, I mean, I think Doris was constantly spitting knowledge. Constantly. Just, like just, just bar stuff, after bar. Look, stuff <laughs> I didn't know. Not only was she giving opinions on things, but she she would just throw out stuff like, um, I don't know, what was one of them? Uh, oh, Royce O'Neal spent more time guarding All-Stars this year or like wh whatever it was, the third or fourth most minutes yeah. on all. And I'm like, how do you even look that up? Like, I do this for a living. Keep I don't know. I know, but I mean... <laughs> Is that where you look it up? You can find I know, out. I don't know. I don't know if we're, that's where she got it from. It's just an odd. It was an B odd stat. B-Ball Index has a great stat about that. It was I, an I odd used... stat of how many minutes he had logged <laughs> against guarding the opposing teams, basically their stat. best player. And I was like, well, I'll be damned. But she was great all night. And Mark, Mark Jones, Jones was awesome. he was hyped up, man. Bringing uh, energy. And, and yeah. he had some good stories throughout Maybe as well. it's in great. the arena thing or whatever. And the other thing is you're you're on that group text uh, with us, with uh, Simmons and Rosillo and all these guys sometimes when we're talking during the games. And was it Simmons? I think it was Simmons that brought up uh, a couple weeks ago. He ran a trivia question during one of the games. And he said, how old do you think Mark Jones is? And then he said he turned 60 this year. And I, I, I can't get that out of my head. Mark Jones seems so young and hip to me. You know, like he's about to be 60 years old this oh, year. Wow, yeah. November 16th, 1961. I, I mean, you want to talk about off. Age man, is just I a didn't number, know. Chris. I didn't, you're, man. You're, you're, you're 80. I know. <laughs> I'm 80. 
this guy is going to be 60 years old? I was like, no way. I went and looked it up myself. You actually, your first interview was Red Auerbach, right? That's right. That was. Yeah. That was actually one of my first. Was, you're going to laugh your ass off. He's been dead for a long time. He's John Wooden. Really? Wow. Yeah. John Wooden. Yeah. I, uh, you know my first interview? This was crazy. You, it wasn't my mine? first. Go oh, ahead. okay. Take a guess. Just throw out a player's name. Your it's a, first it was, interview. It's a former Celtics player. Isaiah Thomas. Team covered. Kelly Olenek. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. All first right. One, I'm first one they let me get. I'm going to tell you a quick story. We always get, look, you and I both get a million media questions about stuff, especially from kids you know, coming up, trying to get the business or whatever. But I'm going to I'm gonna tell you a funny story real quick because it is basketball related. The actual first interview that I did, all right? And it, it, the wooden thing was after I had gotten on the radio and had a okay, show. Okay, I see, okay? I see. And he had, what happened, that was a wild occurrence. He had a book that was coming out and we called the publisher and they booked him on the show. I couldn't believe it. And it was like, it was still one of the greatest memories of my life. I was very young but anyways the first time i'm working at this radio station this guy this uh program director who was awful by the way um he never had anything <laughs> nice to say to me about anything and so he says uh hey i want you to go uh you're gonna go down to old miss uh university of mississippi and he's like i want you uh i want you to go cover their basketball team and i was like yeah okay all right I'm down. And I was like, what do I do? And he's like, just take a recorder. And he's like, and uh, ask a question after the game and, you know, get the audio and then bring it back. And we're going to put it in the system tomorrow. Fine. Easy enough. So I got my little tape recorder, whatever. And I went down there and I went and watched Ole Miss play against Oklahoma. All right. Oklahoma had a guy named Hollis Price. They had a really good team. And Oklahoma is coached by Kelvin Sampson. And hmm. at the end of the game, crowd it's a real tiny arena in the sec it was a dump the was, they called it the tad pad and crowd just got on top and like oklahoma just starts turning the ball over they're a young team turning the ball over whatever and Ole miss ends up getting the win so now it comes after the game and i've got my question like ready to go you're right? shaking are you yeah, nervous oh, oh god yes yeah. i am terrified are you, are you reciting your question over and over in your head thinking how should i say it how should i a hundred percent, Kevin. This is like a simple I mean, question. <laughs> look, I could close my eyes and go back to exactly where I was standing, exactly where I was, uh, the whole scenario. I've got the tape recorder, and and I hold it up. Kelvin Sampson's about to take questions, and I asked. I mean, I had thought of this question for so long, and I was like, "All right, I'm just not going to ask something stupid." All right, and I said, uh, "Coach." Do you think that the the crowd here tonight affected uh, your young team down the stretch? That was it, right? You're like, oh, wow, finally. Kelvin finally Sam I did it. I did Kelvin it. Sampson. <laughs> <laughs> he looks right back at me, and he goes, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. I, bro. I was like, uh, I was like uh, yeah. And he was like, all right, then. And that was it. And I left and I like, I had like tears in my yeah. house. <laughs> I'm getting in my car and I'm going to drive back to Memphis like an hour and a half. Jeez. And I am just, I'm like, I hate media. I hate media. I was like, who would ever want to do this? This is the worst and all this stuff. And, uh, and sure enough, 
Now things did get easier as, <laughs> as 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 time went on. This is this is crazy because I don't know if I've ever told anybody this. I, the next week, I went to a Memphis Redbirds, a Triple A baseball game, and there was one of the best prospects in all of baseball was a guy named Travis Lee. He ended up playing in the majors for a long time. Yeah, I, I think Travis I Lee. That name. Yeah, Travis Lee. He would never remember this either. I went into the locker room and I interviewed. Travis Lee, that was the next guy I was going to take a stab at. And Travis Lee was the absolute nicest guy ever to me and restored my faith in humanity. <laughs> now, funny enough, it was maybe, I don't know, a couple of years ago, my producer in Memphis, Roser, books Kelvin Sampson for the show. Memphis is going to play Houston. Books him. And I told Kelvin Sampson, I said, I am I am here in large part because I survived this moment. And I told him he had absolutely no <laughs> recollection so of funny. it. And he was like, but Chris, I am sorry. <laughs> he apologized. <laughs> it was like the redemption 20 years later or whatever, right? For Kelvin Sampson. But sure enough, yeah, I got I got barked at pretty badly. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. <laughs> Anyways, back to this That's game. That's awesome. What we had with the Oof. Clippers and the Jazz I, I, is I don't miss those fears, Chris. That's for sure. Oh, asking questions. I man. don't miss those. No, it 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 is so daunting. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. Mm -hmm. It really is. If somebody's gonna like really jump on you, and I've had, I've had a lot. I've had a lot of coaches jump on me, man. You can imagine with my personality. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? They think I'm up to something or they yeah. think I'm like trying to call, you know. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, that, that's especially when I was young. For sure. You know? Yeah. And and I but I have I've had a lot of good media coaches, honestly. I mean, obviously, the basketball coach here was Cal Perry for 100 years and he was flippant as all get out. I'm sure. I'm sure Ty Lue would love to answer a question from you. <laughs> Ty Lue, from all accounts, is like everybody I know is that a, knows is great, him is a great guy. Like yeah. everybody loves him. You yeah, know, it's really always and it's so hard because it's kind of <laughs> like the it's kind of like the Terry Stotts thing when we went through it a couple weeks ago. Like I know Terry Stotts didn't do a good job, right? I know it was probably time to move on. Neil O'Shea doesn't think so either. But everybody I know that knows Terry Stotts love, like swears by the guy. He's like the nicest guy in the world. And I feel that way regarding Ty Lue. Everybody I know that knows Ty Lue, they love this guy. He's like ev evidently like the nicest guy, mega charming, the whole thing, right? Um, and so 
it's it 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 it's hard sometimes, you know, because I watch this and I'm like, you know, I, I he has he does some bozo esque things, as I said, <laughs> in the Dallas series, but here we are again, and it's like I don't understand. I don't understand how you can look at the games, and I don't understand how you can look at the numbers that are attributed to some of these different lineups and say, this is my best mode of operation. I went and looked up, like the Terrence Mann stuff is great. Their lineups with Terrence in them. He's really good. I mean, I, I, I look forward to game three. I mean, I mean I, I'm going to withhold judgment about the series. I picked the Jazz to win in six before. I'm staying with that, um, but it might go quicker than expected. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing in front of cardboard cutouts. Um, the early game, what a piece of crap that was. Holy mackerel. Pretty, that was pretty, just pretty odd game. No, that was just bad basketball. It really it was, a, was. It was a it, weird game, man. I, I tell you this, Kev. I have never, ever had higher expectations for a series that has disappointed me more than this series. It's been terrible. It really has. It's been two runouts. And then tonight, neither. It wasn't great defense. Like that these teams were playing. You're sitting there and you're watching it. And I chronicled on Twitter at one point, I tweeted out, I mean, there was like, this is game on the line stuff. And they went, Giannis, bricked three, Lopez, airballed three, PJ Tucker, wide open, bricked three. Uh, then it was Middleton, contested 13 foot baseline jumper. And I'm like, what? They're playing Blake Griffin. And that's it. That's the only big guy they have. Like, I just bitched about this in our Tuesday show. If you want to be big, be big. But they, they play big guys, and they act small. And the Giannis, I know you you tweeted out about the Giannis 8-3. Like, what the hell is going on here? This is like bizarro world stuff. And, you know, they had some good stuff. You know, if you... You will sign up for Kevin Durant scoring 30 points if it's on 28 shots and Kyrie scoring 22 if it's on 22 shots. And, you know, they only put Brooklyn on the line eight times tonight, which is a big win. I mean, there was some good stuff, but that game was not a good basketball game. And Milwaukee was lucky to come out. Big time. They they were very fortunate to come out and not be down 3-0 at this point. And, yep. you know, you're back in it. You know, you're back in it. You get an opportunity with another game, uh, home game here for game four to even it up. And then who knows with yep. a three-game series the rest of the way. Uh, I still look at this Bucks team and I think, you know, the one take – good. What, let me say this first. The the great takeaway for Bucks fans is this. Drew Holiday, 46 minutes. Chris Middleton, 44 minutes. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 43 minutes. Bud played his best players over 40 minutes, which is a huge win <laughs> for Bucks fans everywhere who root for this team and only see these guys on the court for 35, 36 minutes. So that's a really, really, really good thing. And even though Giannis took eight three-pointers, which is whack and should not be allowed, the coaching staff needs to say like chill out here stop taking these this can't happen attack the rim even though Blake Griffin had some great possessions against Giannis on those drives for the most part good things happen when Giannis attacks the basket he can score draw fouls get kick out opportunities but that's creates the bad offensive thing rebound that happens. chances 
That's the bad thing that happens. What they say, he's like seven for 35 in the playoffs. It's something terrible, like from free throws. Like there yeah, is one bad. Fouls, that is the yes. one bad outcome. He said, yeah. he, when he, he gets, gets fouled, fouls, he can't make them. Right. And he got the stupid penalty again tonight. The yeah, clock. second violation. How do they not call that every time? I, I actually agreed with Jeff Van Gundy's thoughts during the game. It's like you don't call it all season long, and then it comes to the playoffs and suddenly you start calling it. It doesn't make sense. Like either change the rule or police of the entire season. Or, well, and you yeah, saw it's, it's you saw in that last weird. game, Brooklyn was having fun with it, and the NBA made them stop. They were doing, they were like, all right, if you're not going to let us have like the on it, they started doing the countdown. Yeah. The fans did like the, you know, 10, 9, 8, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. counting it down with the honest. And they like tried to put an end to that. And it was like, all right, so what? Are you just deciding you're not going to call this anymore? It's pretty weird. And then it's you fast weird. forward to this game and they call it again. Yeah. They call it once and then he's over 10 seconds every time anyway. And it's just, you don't call it again. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's a weird rule to begin with. Maybe they should change it. But um, in fairness, what the F takes so long? You miss them all anyway. I mean, it's Speed about it routine. Up. Yeah, it's, speed, yeah, speed it's a routine it that doesn't it, it, work yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a routine that doesn't work. Like speed uh, it up and maybe yeah. you'll make some of them. Ch- change it up here. But yeah, that that was a, a just a very weird game. The poor shooting six for 31 from Milwaukee from three, eight for 32 for the Nets from three point range. Joe Harris, a one for 11 mm. stinker of a performance for him. And it's it's weird because Bruce Brown, that final minute, had the two shots that he took <laughs> that he should not have taken, but he's like the one of the only reasons they were in the game to begin with. He oh. played really good defense all game, had that stretch uh, earlier in the game when he hit like a, a three or four floaters over Brooke Lopez in a row. He played good defense, made smart passes, and then just in the last minute had some big time mistakes that changed the way we talked about his performance. But, you know. It sure it certainly took some of the heat off of Joe Harris with his one for seven from three, one for eleven from the field. The Nets, you know, I still think they're going to win the series. My perspective doesn't change there, um, but you can't rule out Milwaukee figuring well, some stuff out with their size, and especially because you saw down that stretch when it mattered most. KD got to the elbow twice in a row; it's unstoppable. And then, I mean, unbelievable defense by pj tucker on the three that durant hit i mean that was one of those moments where it's like there is nothing you can do nothing he he got over that screen and was still i mean no airspace and if he can make that then that's a tip your cap stuff but i mean pj tucker was fighting he was fighting for it and points were hard to come by. Obviously, yeah, the Brown, he's not going to sleep real well tonight no. because you got to get that. And by the way, the inbounds pass sucked so bad that that should get beat up, right? I mean, they're inbounded. The ball. You should be able to inbound the ball without everybody falling all over themselves trying to save it from out of bounds. It was all a scrambled mess after that. Yeah. You can't really run your play when at the beginning – it all becomes a scrambled mess where you're just trying to save the ball from going out of bounds. Now you're now you're all discombobulated and you're just like you don't know clock score where everybody is on the court. I mean, it all gets screwed up uh, as soon as that inbounds pass goes awry. Um, but I and I and I got to give look, I got to give Chris Middleton his props. I slammed him after those first two games. He was miserable. He's had a lot 
of uh, down playoff moments over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, but he showed up huge for this one. The rebounding was huge, too. What did he grab? 15, I think. 15 rebounds out of him. And he had 15, the 30. Yep. Yeah, and he had the 35 points. Um, I can't get it out of my head. Uh, Bill and Rosillo were talking about this topic. I guess it was on whatever their Monday pod or Sunday that they do. And when they got to the middle of the subject, it's all I've been thinking about since I heard them talk about this because they couldn't figure out what quarterback to compare him to. But the Middleton thing and how it's so much like like, like an Alex Smith or somebody like that where it's if you, if you have an opinion on Alex Smith or you had an opinion on Alex Smith that if you just wait around, you're going to end up you're going to get your moments to be right, and you're going to get your moments to be wrong. And so you'll watch Monday Night Football, and they'll throw for 365 <laughs> yards and four touchdowns. You'll be like, I told you Alex Smith was awesome. And then the next week you'll play against the Bears, and he's got 136 yards and two picks. Again, <laughs> it's like, I told you Alex Smith sucked, and I really can't get that out of my head with the Middleton thing because it's like – he does have this, like these 35 and 15s, which are just gargantuan numbers in a must-win situation. And then he has the games like game two where they're getting beat by a 1,000 and he can't hit anything. And so I don't know what to make of it all. I do know this. They got nothing out of their bench. Nothing. Will they get four out of Portis? None and, out of and Forbes, then, and then two out of Conathan. I mean, they got a great, is... a great defensive play from uh, Thanasso Santacopo. <laughs> yeah, he did have a good play. I, I think he played like one possession. Yeah, yeah, but not. <laughs> I mean, that's not sustainable. And no. we talked about losing Divincenzo. It's a big one. It's big. Mm-hmm. It's big for them, and it's big for that depth. But I don't think I'm going to let it play out and see what Game Four is. I mean, you know. Maybe they did find something defensively, even if they didn't offensively. Maybe they found something defensively, and just with the extreme amount of minutes those guys are going to play, they're going to be able to keep Brooklyn in a much more reasonable range to be able to, you know, play with, score with. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and I'll tell I'll tell you this. You know, I think the defense it's possible, and then offensively with Middleton. In game one, they ran 21 pick and rolls with Middleton. In game two, they ran 18. And then in game three, 27. Mm. Running the offense through Middleton, even though sometimes it didn't look great. They had a couple of turnovers with the Giannis setting screens that didn't work out. For the most part, I think this is a formula for success moving forward for the Milwaukee Bucks to run mm. more offense through Chris Middleton. We'll, I, I, I believe it will lead to more potent results. Well, um, and- So we'll see if this trends upward for them. And the Brooklyn defense is not good. We have a large sample size that and, and Milwaukee has just played so poorly during this series that they haven't really put pressure on their defense. I mean, again, if you're gonna let Giannis and Brooke and PJ Tucker all just spread out around the three-point line and shoot threes, it's like <laughs> you 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 are playing right into their hands. Because they can play small and uh, for their offense, and you're not you're not making them pay for it. And so the lack of going to the basket, 
They should be murdering them in paint points, murdering them. And it's it's confounding uh, to say the least. But they got away with the win. And you never know. The crowd was great. I didn't think they played well either. Obviously, their three point percentage has been abysmal. They got game four and tied it up. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, we I, I'm holding out hope that that series can get good because it's been a massive letdown so. so far. I, I hope so. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Let's move to the other side in the east, which is Philly and Atlanta. And, you know, we wondered, did Philly find something in the second half of that game one, which was... They weren't going to let Danny Green get torched by Trey Young. They were going to use Thibel. They were going to use Simmons. And that's was going to be what they did against Trey Young. And it worked out for them in game two. They got out to that huge lead. And then that lead disintegrated um, because of Herder and Gallinari, no less. And then they were able to pull away in the fourth quarter. They got a crazy Shake Milton performance. And, you know, I think we talk about what is sustainable, what can be replicated. Well, Joel Embiid being amazing is pretty much par for the course, right? We, we're seeing they have nothing that they can throw at him. They're throwing Capella at him, and Capella can't do anything with him. And he looks... He's playing with a chip on his shoulder right now. Do you notice that? And beat is. Yeah. 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 Like, he's a little more animated and angry than he has been in the past. He's playing like he's hungry. Yeah. Like, you saw the one where uh, Capella caught the lob and dunked on his head. They came down the other way. He called for the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bulldozed him into the 10th row and then dunked on the whole team. It was like some Shaq stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, golly. And then he pushed Gallinari from behind. He was he was just getting testy. And I don't know. It's a, a little bit of a different Embiid, I thought, in that uh, in I that. Mean, I mean, Embiid's, Embiid's always been emotional. Yeah. Uh, but I like seeing the nasty. Yeah. The nasty in, in a playoff setting, especially against this Hawks team that comes with that grit and that energy and that toughness as well. He's matching it and really raising the level of it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and you just did... You just did the video on Trey uh, for this week. And Trey has been otherworldly in these playoffs. He has, for a guy that's going through it for his first time, and now, look, he's not on the better team in this series. <laughs> you know, we need to make that clear. And so there's going to be real challenges. And the Sixers were the best defensive team, right? So, I mean, this is this is a whole other world. High pressure um, and... You are going to be going up against two of the best perimeter defenders that we have on the planet, possibly the two best, really, in Simmons and Thibault, and that's what you're charged with dealing with. You did that video, and some of those plays and some of the breakdowns that you did, it's just it shows he just can carve up a defense. You know what is the what's the counterpunch? Is there a counterpunch that you think? Atlanta can throw to this. 
and oh, what, with, ben, with Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul. Mm. You know, it, it's funny because <laughs> I'm not sure there is a counter punch against these guys. I know. Uh, like they're just such high level defensive players. They're elite defensive players. I do look forward to seeing if we do see Atlanta switch up their lineups. You mentioned how Capella's getting beat up a little bit by Embiid, which is no knock on Capella, a great defensive player, but Embiid does that to everybody. It's just who Embiid is. I wonder if we'll see Atlanta try a little bit of small ball with John Collins at the five or even Gallinari at the five if they want to go really small, just go full out spacing, spread it out, you know, force the Sixers to switch all screens. I'm curious to see if we'll see a wrinkle like that, and maybe that can help spring Trey loose or get him some easier matchups after after a switch. Because in the way in which they are currently constructed, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that a lot will change in terms of the matchups that you get on Trey Young. Well, um, and so it, you know it, you just have to go to work on those guys, watch the film, and find some weak spots. Um, and there's not many of them for Ben Simmons and Martise Thibel. <laughs> I actually kind of think of it like I do with the with the old Curry situation, right? When you could when when you could grind that thing down and you could make them play half court basketball, it was your best chance because now you can keep a guy chasing him everywhere, trying to stay attached to him. It's when they get stops and that Warriors team was so great defensively that they did get those stops, and now they got Draymond or Iguodala or whoever catching it off the board, and they would just take off, and now you're in space, and now you're cross-matching, and it's hellacious. It's, I kind of feel like Trey's chance at being unbelievable again is that. It's actually, weirdly, the Atlanta defense, which is can you get enough stops and get out in space, because if you're going to have to play half-court basketball against that crap, I mean, good, you can't. You, you yeah. can't. You're not going to put up a huge number when you're – especially because you got to have the ball all the time. Like with a Curry, he didn't have to have the ball all the time. He could just run well, around everywhere. That's the, that's the thing, Chris. That, yeah. that Like I hit that note late in the video, right? The next step for Trey Young is becoming more effective away from the ball. When yes. he doesn't have the ball in his hands, when he's not running pick and roll, when he's not bringing it up the floor, when he's not isolating. Right. But when he's off the ball, if Trey Young can translate his shooting off the dribble from logo range, from right at the three point line, and to be able to right, race around the screen and shoot off the catch mm-hmm. or to relocate off ball and like come off a little rub screen and get himself open, if Trey can do that, it adds a whole new dimension about the way in which you need to defend him. And to me, you know, when I look at this Hawks roster, you got Bogdanovich. You got a guy who can handle the ball. You got Gallinari who can handle the ball a little bit for you. You have others on this team, even Lou Williams for that matter, coming off the bench. You got guys who can handle Kevin Herter, a secondary ball handler. And the real solution could be that, you know, attack with one of those secondary guys, Bogdanovich or Herter, and get Trey open. But I don't think Trey's at that level yet. He doesn't have that uh, innate ability to move off of screens and get himself open yet. And to, like, I hope, I hope that's a training priority for him. Watches a lot of film and realizes, oh, oh I don't need to always have the ball in my hands to be an elite player. I can right. raise my game by giving up the ball like it's going to be the same conversation with Luca you know we talked about it with Dallas like well if you bring in more talent he's going to have to move off the ball same thing with Trey Young they have brought up brought on more talent and they will continue to try to 
that's the next step for Trey Young, and, well, and I think the series makes that very uh, apparent. As the second half of the season went on, they did let Bogdanovich handle it more. You know what I mean? Yes. Especially in that time that Trey Definitely. was out. When Trey was out, they let Bogdanovich but, handle it But not it more. when they're together quite as much. Which not is, not know, when they're together quite as much. And you know what was crazy? When I was watching the video that you did, you, you showed how they uh, the stack play, which is so good, the, 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 the two screens that – prize open capella for the lob right yeah but if you go back and watch that video that you put up i don't know if you noticed this so i'm watching that and i'm the thing that stood out to me as i'm watching it is that both times you're calling out as you're describing the 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 play that they run you're calling out the two screens and in both and all of them it was hunter and I thought to myself, they miss this guy. They do miss him. They miss, they miss this him. guy. I, you know, I got, I, I saw him at the beginning of the season and I'm like, boy, this is a different dude. And he just got ravaged by injury this year. He tried to come back and he was outstanding against Randall. I mean, mm-hmm. great, great. Like the kind of guy that you can just throw on somebody and say, Go get me a stop. Like he he's got a chance to be a really good player in this league. And of course the news came out today. He's done no matter what for the rest of the playoffs, no matter what happens with Atlanta. But that's a big loss for them. You know, when you get to the highest stakes, you gotta have all your best players available to you. And he is certainly one of them. And even just sneaky stuff like that, right? setting the screen that doesn't let a guy get by you, right? He's a well, he is a very skilled uh, basketball player who you can tell has been very well taught in, it's not a surprise. Fun, fundamentals. For, yeah, yeah, play for Tony Bennett. I mean, good, of course. good grief. You, yeah. got, you better know the fundamentals because you're only going to score 44 <laughs> points a game or whatever. <laughs> I know they scored a lot more <laughs> with him and the Jerome team, but, you know, he's... He, that guy knows how to play basketball. He really yeah. does. And High IQ. It's a shame. Intelligent. Yeah, it's a shame yeah, that he's they, not. They, they there. miss him a lot on both ends of the court. Yeah. Um, even it, but but Red Velvet's having his moment too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Red Velvet as his nickname so much. <laughs> it's appropriate, you know, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's just been it's one of it's been one of my big problems. Like with uh, I told you like wrestling. I'll turn on wrestling now, and I know you don't care about it, but like if you turn on wrestling now, you watch like there was a championship match a couple of months ago on one of those pay-per-views, and it was Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. And I I resent so greatly guys just having regular names. That is so <laughs> stupid. Like I want I want you to be the fiend. I want you to be hillbilly gym or junkyard dog or whatever right and triple h yeah right triple h whatever it may be perfect all of them right (laughs) i want the undertaker somebody right don't just be a guy's name and to me it elevates you to a different level because you're just kevin herter the redhead with a side part like who cares right cool he knocks down some shots but, but now if he's you're red, red, red velvet, velvet yeah i mean it could velvet it could have worked for what's his name what was the guy on the kings he flamed out sauce uh sauce oh, castillo. Uh, castillo yeah, yeah. they yeah. tried it's the yeah. only reason i remember him 
See, Nick Stauskas could have just come and gone, but I will never forget him, even if he flamed out because he was Sauce Castillo. Let me tell you something real quick before we move on to the other series, uh, the Suns thing. When I was looking up all those numbers regarding the Clippers and their uh, lineups, I ended up coming across other lineups that have been used the most uh, during this postseason. Listen to this. And this is where I was like, holy mackerel. Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. That's your standard starting five, right? And that that, that's what they started last game, right? It was Simmons, Curry, Tobias Green, and Embiid, right? So that's their starting five. In this postseason, they are plus four. 39 net. Their net rating wow. is plus 39. That's amazing. What the hell? That's amazing. And, I know. It was like when I was scrolling through Kev, I'm like, hold on now. That's and amazing. I went and looked at the minutes because it's like, you know, you see, it was most used lineups, right? So, like, the most used lineup is that Suns starting lineup, right? With Paul Crowder, Booker, Bridges, and Aiton. They're a plus 19 and point eight. I mean, that's that's extreme, right? And then you have like Denver's, which is Compazzo and Rivers, along with Gordon, Jokic, and Porter. They're minus nine, right? So, so far. And obviously, look, some of the numbers are gonna get smashed because of last night. But when I was scrolling through those and just trying to find out, you know. What, what lineups have worked and of, of the lineups that have been used the most by these teams? How has that's it fared? Amazing. Yeah. That's a freaky number, bro. It, it, and I just pulled it up. I see the lineup has a 144 offensive rating. How? Outstanding. And, and, and I'll tell you what, like we talk about Embiid, one of the guys I don't think we hit enough on the Tuesday night show was Seth Curry. Yes. Seth Curry in these playoffs is averaging 17.3 points on 45.5% from three, 12 total attempts per game. And, you know, just to compare that to the regular season, he was averaging 12.5 points on 9.7 shots per game. So up about two shots um, and then up five points per game. I mean, I'm watching this guy, and it's like, huh. I mean, I wonder if he's just going to keep doing this. I tell you this. Future. I, like, why, like, why not have him shoot 12 or 13 shots every single night? Oh, <laughs> hey, it worked with the other really Curry, good. brother. Yeah. It worked with the yeah, other right. Curry, right? Yeah. Don't tell Daryl. Um, you see where he got fined for a tweet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Man. The tampering. Twitter yeah. fingers. Those Twitter fingers are going to get you in trouble, brother. Uh, that that was about, like, br- bring uh, the other one here, right? About bring the other curry. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, yeah come here or join him. Yeah, join, join him or something. something like I think that. it was join so, him. so simple. What would he get for $75,000 for that? Yeah. That's wild. Plus 39. <laughs> all right. Net rating for their starting lineup, which includes Seth Curry, Danny Green, along with Simmons uh, and uh, Harris and Embiid. And that is just a absolutely crazy number and the Seth Curry thing look I didn't like it but I didn't expect it to become a robbery that is a robbery when you when you move after you just got done watching Dallas you don't think Luca could have used Seth Curry <laughs> had have been really nice to have would have been really nice because Josh Richardson was getting zero minutes zero 
And you just said Seth Curry's averaging 17 on the team that's got a chance at the title. And starting all seven games so far, averaging 29.6 minutes. <laughs> on a team that is he's part of a starting lineup that's plus 39, for God's sakes. He's a shooting guard on it. Playing next to a guy yeah. that doesn't shoot. And we and like the logic made sense on paper. Richardson, like Curry, oh. got picked on defensively against the Clippers on a handful of possessions. You wanted more size. You wanted more defense. It just it just didn't work out. No. It just didn't work out. And sometimes that's the way trades goes. Even when it makes sense in your head at the time, it yep. doesn't work out. And for the Sixers team, Curry right now just absolutely unbelievable and if that yep. continues that's going to be a huge boost to their chances next round if they move on against either brooklyn or milwaukee well and, and philly is one of those teams that it's hard you know i know that starting lineup is unbelievable but i mean they got outscored 32 to zip in the first half of that game in bench scoring like that can be a thing and it wouldn't shock me if atlanta catches a game at home honestly and and this ends up two to two it wouldn't if they split in atlanta because Yes, it appears that Philly's figured something out, but Atlanta's got a like a real advantage with the bench thing. Like they they needed every bit of that Shake Milton BS, and I, I say BS. Shake is obviously capable of that, but I mean that one that he hit at the end of the third quarter to go along with all the shots he was making that was crazy. So I don't know there. They, they 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 have not gotten the bench production that you would think, and Atlanta might be able to run out on them uh, with the bench. Let's move over to the last series that we need to cover today. Oh God, the background has changed. I, I just changed my Zoom background to DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. <laughs> okay, look, Denver. We talked about this on Tuesday. I hate it for them. It is what it is. They don't have. Enough. When you get to this, don't have Jamal Murray. Yeah, and when you get to this stage, you can't have Compazzo and Austin Rivers and Monty Morris and these guys going up against what is an outstanding basketball team with guys seemingly every night playing at their absolute peak. And it's one night it's been Devin Booker, and another night it's been Aiton. Another night, it's been Bridges. But then for these first couple of games of this series, this Chris Paul thing is the old just, veteran. I mean, this is ridiculous, Kevin. Dude, and he's he's in control of the game, the entire game, the whole game. And you know mm -hmm. what? You know what's running? You know what has run through my mind? I'm gonna I'm gonna run this by you, uh, real quick, because we're not gonna do a ton of analysis on Suns Denver. I hate it. Mike Malone hates it even worse. Obviously. <laughs> Michael. Did you see that? Michael Malone. <laughs> well, I mean, he, that, that is his preference. <laughs> no, well, did you hear him last night? They quit. <laughs> I, mean, he, I, I was like, I was like, say bums, say bums, call them bums, because he was just unloading about everything. Hey, he, he, he gets pretty emotional. They're embarrassing, like yeah. humiliating. They quit. They suck. He just he gets so mad about them. And I'm like, bro, you're starting Compazzo. No offense, but you're starting Compazzo against Chris Paul. What do you expect? <laughs> I, I guess he'd say, I expect my team to fight. Like, all right, they can fight all they want. Like, they, and, and also, like, they're not, they're, they might be fighting and everything, but they also are hurt. Like, forget about the Jamal Murray right. thing for a second. Michael Porter tweaked his back in game two, and he did not look like himself in game three on either end of the floor. And like, Will he Barton, did not, he, he didn't. And Will Barton, you know, he's, 
He's trying to gut it out. Just got back. Yeah, exactly. He's trying. He's grinding because this, they need it against this Suns team. Like, would it would it surprise you? Like, how, on the scale of one to ten, how much would it surprise you if the Nuggets take two games back in Denver and tie it? Oh up? God, are you serious? I'm just I'm not just yeah, asking I a would, question. I, yes, I will be absolutely floored. Okay, how? Yeah. I think they could I, win one. Like like you you would have to have just unreal yeah. Jokic performances That's, and it could eight, eight eight and fouls out in the third quarter that yes. type of deal it would could. have to happen and you got yeah, the you got the home crowd i mean you never look yeah, you get the Jokic, celtics you get got the MVP. one yeah it can happen they could get one but getting two i, I don't know about their chances and, of doing that this, this phoenix team it, like we talked about with utah earlier and we're going to be talking about probably for weeks to come this Utah team and the Phoenix team are for real. Like they got the one and two seeds for good reason. This okay. Suns team, the Suns teams are the Suns here are getting better. That's I'm gonna, because of Chris Paul and their young guys. I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let you feel a little bit. We'll end on this because I'm gonna let you feel a little bit better about this Suns thing. Let me just throw this out there, okay? This has been in my mind for a long time, and a lot of it started uh, a couple of years ago when I heard about this uh, or I read about it. I can't remember how it got into my mind the first time. But then last year, there was this interview that was done with LeBron James after he won, and he was talking about being 35 years old, putting up the numbers that he did, and how it compared to how would this LeBron do against the 27-year-old LeBron, which is the first time he's in the finals. He averaged like 30 a game in the finals for Miami. And he said, uh, LeBron now would kill that LeBron and I think about this a lot when I watch Chris Paul have 15 assists and no turnovers and it's just the the, that this institutional knowledge that there's really nothing you can throw at these guys as, as they have gotten so many reps that they haven't seen before but there is you know as a massive music fan there has always been the uh the 27 thing right so many artists died at that age of yep. 27. Well, oddly, in the NBA, they don't die, but they win their first titles when they're 27 or older. There are some rare exceptions over the years, right, where uh, Duncan won at like 23 when he was on that great Spurs team, Magic and Kobe. They were young, but they had veteran teams and other superstars around them. Um, and... And 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 I and I say this because LeBron said the 35 year old LeBron would dominate the 27 year old LeBron. Um, listen to this. So sometimes when we're watching these playoffs and our expectations are very high, and this may apply to Giannis also. Just understand that in the history of the NBA, guys don't do this until they are, and I'm talking about win the whole thing, 27 or older. The best player on the team is almost always, and that includes Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Shaq, Durant, Moses Malone, Wilt Chamberlain, Hakeem Olajuwon, Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Garnett, Dr. J, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West. I mean, you can go on and on and on. And there's tons of them. And it's like, when you think of this through the prism of, look, if this guy does it, he's doing something that has not been done before. So when you think Trey Young, or you think Luka Doncic, or you think 
Giannis, when you think Donovan Mitchell, if Donovan Mitchell is the best guy on a title team, he'll be the outlier because these guys don't do it. And is it game catches up with that athleticism? Is it the institutional knowledge that you gain? Is it because you get a little bit older, you start taking care of your body more? Some guys by that time have families, whatever it may be. But even the greatest players, LeBron, Jordan, Curry, I just listed off all those guys. They're all 27 or older. Okay, so now let's take a step back. Who does that apply to? It applies to Chris Paul. Mm. I mean, I suppose it would apply to Kawhi, right? If they could get back in it. It doesn't really apply in Utah um, because Donovan's their best player. He would be the best player on a a title team. Um, I don't think Embiid is 20. Oh, he is 27. He is 27 on the dot, isn't he? If, check that. And, and Bede, uh turned 27 on March 16th. Holy hell. Mm. I mean, obviously it doesn't apply in Atlanta. And then the other one in the East, Durant. Yeah. So, of course, right? They're all over 27. Yeah, yep. But he'd be their best player, right? It, it, it's inter- It's an interesting in thing. In the West. You know, it, it, it takes time. A lot of – for most players, it takes time. Because yep. it's not just about the player oftentimes – it's about building the right roster around them, and that can yep. take years if it ever happens at all. And for this Chris Paul, you know, team that he has here with Phoenix, he's played with some great rosters. I'm not sure he's played with a team with the amount of smart basketball players on the court at the same time as him. Like these, it's not just like the the Lob City Clippers at times was Chris Paul running the show. He ran every pick and roll. He would throw the lobs. He'd throw kickouts yep. for threes. He'd score himself. It was very Chris Paul-centric. These Suns teams don't feel like that. They move the ball around. They make quick decisions. Monty Williams calls it a .5 offense. The way in which they move the ball as a unit is very beautiful you know, game-esque. It's like Spursian mm-hmm. in that sense, right? And Chris Paul's never been in a situation like this, almost besides like the OKC team, which also had great ball movement. This Suns team, though, is just on another level. Like, every player they put out there on the court is smart. They have a high IQ. They, they have the ability to read the floor and diagnose situations quickly. And Chris Paul being the best one maybe in the league at doing that. I mean, some of the passes that he makes, like if the help defender in a pick yep. and roll comes over, he immediately throws a dart to the corner three. And like, there's no time because they're still like rotating in to the paint to prevent a lob to DeAndre Ayn as he's throwing the pass out to the three pointer shot. It's like obscene what he's able to do to defenses. And that is about all the years of experiences that you're talking about, Chris. And like this Phoenix team has a real shot. They really yeah, do. They really they do. do. He just he understands everything that is going on in the game. He knows there are players on the court that don't know how many fouls they have that he does. <laughs> he knows how many how much time's on that clock. He knows how far away they are from the bonus. You watch him. He knows everything that is going on with that game. And every if you play, call, if you play pick up with Chris Paul, he's your scorekeeper. And, and you know what? It's crazy. You jogged my memory when you were talking about that Clippers thing because I had to go back during quarantine. We did this whole video series on different playoff uh, matchups, and obviously the Grizzlies played against them many years in the playoffs. The best of those Clippers teams, because I just had to go back and watch all these games, are the ones, it's actually oddly, it's like Vinny Del Negro was the coach. 
at that time. And it was like, they're bringing off like a young Bledsoe and Nick Young and Kenyon Martin and Reggie Evans and they and Karan Butler. Like they had like, they had some dogs on that team and they had some like high flyers on that team. And then some of those late Clipper doc teams, they're, they're a rough watch. They started in the playoffs, yeah. Chauncey Billups at two in a game. It was like mm. Chauncey Billups and Karan Butler and like, I mean, it was it was rough stuff. Lamar Odom came off the bench for him and it was, it was I like mean, post-prime. Post yeah, this is not Lamar yeah, Odem. Yeah. It's not like Lakers, the name, like the Lamar names Odom. you're throwing out, like if there's younger listeners, I'd be like, wasn't, wasn't so-and-so a great yeah. player? It's like, no, this is post-prime. No, these guys are, no. Yeah. Chauncey <laughs> Billups couldn't yeah. move. You know, yeah, he, he, he what was he a year from coaching? He played one more year in Detroit, I think, I, after I, his last year with the Clippers, if I, I remember correctly. I think that's so. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, Chris has been around for a long time. And it just it just made me think about it. Right. Uh, when LeBron said that last year. Yeah. Now you're watching this guy and you're like, how is Chris Paul 36 dominating a game? He dominated that game last night. Like, and I mean, and looking nowhere near the end. No, no. I mean, how many years does he have left? Playing at a high level, right? Might be as many as he wants, as many as he can stay healthy for. He's special. He's got a, they I mean, have a special. chance, for sure. Their they lineup, do. I they just do. told you, their lineup has been crazy. And I, they got, I, they I got know, a real shot, man. I know they got game two, but it, I, they need to get Conley back in Utah. They will. I'm talking as they go on. If they Even if they get past this round and you're, and you're playing Phoenix, you need Conley for that. You do. And Definitely. so I'm with you, you know, and it, hopefully he can. He's got the hamstring thing. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, like I know people talk about ratings and all that. And we've hit this a little bit. But if if you got friends who like basketball and who aren't watching right now, tell them to watch a Phoenix game or a oh, Utah yeah. game. Like the way these teams play, it's just so freaking fun. To I watch. hope you do. But like, don't tell high them, level. Don't tell them to watch Bucks Nets. Damn. <laughs> I am well, that's so, the thing. That's I resent that series so much. I really well, do. Well, I get so it, excited every time they're about to play, and I'm like, this is terrible. I mean, like, understandably so, that's the series I would assume has the highest ratings. I, I honestly don't care that much about ratings. I think ratings right. are very overrated. I think we live in a digital age. There's better metrics to measure interest. That's where I am. But uh, understandably so, Nets Bucks probably has the best ratings. Because of the the level of talent on both of those rosters, but if they, if like you have friends that that's the only series they care to watch, tell them to check out some of the other ones because there's some great basketball being played right now. And tell you something, Kev, the, the Suns team might be the funnest to watch for me. I love watching the, them play. If that's the only thing they've watched, they're not basketball fans anymore. They're watching <laughs> baseball now. <laughs> they're, like, they're like the hell. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna watch some baseball. Maybe these guys will give up some bombs now that they're not doctoring up the ball. <laughs> <laughs> just, just just tell your friends yeah, yeah. tell your friends to check out phoenix uh, utah and, and we do just need to add this as a note um because uh shams broke this news today about the calendar we did get confirmation that after this is all said and done with this summer and everything next season is the exact it's official nba calendar that we had basically in 2019 so yeah, it'll be back October, to normal. It'll October start. October 19th. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then it's going to end in middle of June. Yep. Yep. So, April 16th, end of season, June 23rd, NBA draft. It's 
right back on track. It just felt good to see something so, like... So much for December start to the season. Yeah, I <laughs> know. It's not happening. It's just a scheduled back to normal. It's going to be hard for all these NBA teams to pull this off, for sure. I mean, just especially with all like the, the fiscal year and everything that has mm. to take place with it, it'll be a catastrophe. Free agency, summer league, all that crap. Everything's, you know, pushed together. Um, but... They're going to make it work, and things will be back to normal for next NBA season, which will be a very, very welcome return, to say the least. Hopefully, we get some good games to talk about for Tuesday. We have had a couple. We had a couple good ones. Yeah, yeah. You know what well, I mean? So, again, like we'll be doing our show on Tuesday night. Yep. Tuesday night will be our next show, not uh, Monday night. So, Tuesday night, we look like we have um, Phoenix Nuggets and then Nets Bucks. Should be fun. Those are some. Wait, I, well, those are the two. A, it's a game five, if necessary, for Denver Phoenix, and then it's a game five, which we will have for Milwaukee Brooklyn. That's Tuesday night, so we'll be talking about those games and the others uh, going on. All right, you call it. Do we get to talk about a game five in Phoenix, Denver? Yes, I think Jokic will carry Denver to one win. Get a hot shooting performance, maybe from the rest of the team. They'll take one. They got to take one at home when you have the MVP on your roster. I think so too. They but Phoenix one, but Phoenix looks really awesome. No, they do. They're yeah. playing. They're playing great when it matters most, to say the least. And you mm-hmm. might be early. You might have to change that logo behind you. It says t- 2022. <laughs> yes, it does. Isn't that funny? I, it would I be made the that. Twi- it'd be the I 2021. I made it during the bubble. You did. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's the worst looking Photoshop. Well. <laughs> I threw uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton on LeBron and Dwayne Wade uh, from the Heat for, for the Heat picture and changed some other stuff around. It says 2022 NBA champions on the T-shirt for the How Phoenix did, Suns. Oh, did you photo you photoshopped the 2022 also? Yeah, I photoshopped that as well. I, I don't I don't leave any detail. Uh, you don't leave any detail unturned except for the fact that Devin Booker's head's on a black guy, <laughs> not a light skinned black guy. <laughs> talking about i don't i don't leave any i don't leave that, anything unturned but, but that 2020 is pretty good there right? like that? <laughs> it is that one's pretty good it actually looks natural yeah, all it right looks great. i did a good job on that not right. on the heads though I, I was too lazy for uh chris i gotta write gotta record videos hey. and podcasts with you twice you're a week busy, you're busy i don't guy. have time to do all these photoshops you are a busy guy all right <laughs> and you gotta play your Warzone career of course of and course. you gotta, gotta watch the bachelor i mean you got hey, a lot of stuff going I mean, on i mean it's 2 a.m here on the east coast do i want to go to sleep or do i want to play Warzone? always the question every night what's the latest you stayed up playing Warzone? don't lie to me i, don't I mean i think the last year during the NBA offseason, I probably had a night playing until 4.30 or something like that. Look at but, you. But maybe only one or two. Like, we, like this isn't when I was, like, in high school or, or college playing Halo 3. We used to have – there used to be nights where my dad would be getting up for work at, like, 5.45 a.m., and I would be just going to bed. There were nights like that play, back what? in the day in high school playing Halo 3 and Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2. Well, I'd be going to bed as my dad is waking up for work. And did you have school? No, no, not for. I would never do that on a school night, like oh. a weekend or summer or something like that. Oh. I was a good kid. I was a good student. I mean, or I tried hard at least. Well, what kind of GPA did you graduate with? Don't lie to me. In high school? Yeah. In high school, I think I had a two point seven. 
your ass out of here. Dude, boy, I was a good student. No, you weren't. What's that, a B minus? Uh, no, it's not. It's a C. What are you... <laughs> I was in, a col- good in college. In college, I had a three point seven for my major. But I think I had a. I think I had eight. Don't do eight. And then, and then I, and I'll tell you, I think I also had like a two point seven for everything else. Is that right? But a three point seven for my majors. Yeah, I had a psychology major and a communications major. My parent. My parent. I was a good student for the stuff that mattered. There's a lot of stuff they teach you in school that, like, who cares? I'm with you. I'm just my, being honest. My, like, my. I was not. I was not the. Uh, I, school was always a means for me to get to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. But I did take that seriously because I wanted to do the other stuff. And what, so... What was your GPA? They, my parents... You were four? This is a true story. My parents were like the things that like I wanted to do, it was always I had to have a B average. And, By the uh, way, 2.7 is a B minus. Just three, to clarify here, where, not a C. Where? B minus. Google says it's a B minus. Nah. Then, then, Look then, it up. Well, then that's the problem with society now. They get it, they let anybody think they got a B. That's ridiculous. Oh. A B is it, 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 a B is a three because that's what my parents made me have. 3.0 or no go, they used to say, right? So I couldn't do anything that I wanted to be able to do unless I maintained a 3.0. And I was the kid that would say, so a C is worth two, a B is worth three, and an A is worth four. That's how you get to your GPA. So if I knew I was going to get two A's, I could get two C's in the other thing. I just needed it to be a B average. And so I... Wow, what a big brain you have. No, always have. They told me, and I, I graduated with a 3.0. Wow, right on the button. <laughs> but I always did exactly what... I had to do. It was just mm. a means. I mean, yeah. I could have gotten a 4.0. I'm a freaking genius. You listen well, to me every week. Listen to me. I'm a well, genius. You, say, you say it was a means. Like, what did you want in high school? Did you already know what you wanted to be? No. No, you didn't. It was just about getting through it, getting that diploma, moving on to college. No, 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 no. No. I, no, means to get to where I want to go, meaning I wanted to play. Oh, I see. I wanted to play. I wanted mm. to play sports. I wanted yeah, to be outside yeah. with my friends. I wanted to go and do. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to be able to get uh, like an old car when I turned sixteen. For sure. I wanted to like the things that I wanted, you know. And what so, what kind of old car did you get? It was a Chevy Blazer. Hmm. I got what in. A, I got in a wreck the first night. Oh my god! It's a true story. You serious? First night I got wow. my license. Yep, I wow. did. <laughs> Great student, great student though. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I graduated with three point oh. That's true. Three point oh. Yeah, I did better in college. I cared more about college Mm. uh, and doing good in the classes. But yeah, I just, I I just didn't. I wanted to. Even though I got the three point seven, I cared less. (laughs) Two point seven. You said I was a good student. Get nah, my, my sophomore year was really bad. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I had above a three every other year except for my sophomore year. My sophomore year, if I remember correctly, I got like a lot of C's and, a, and a even maybe even a D or something like that. It was a bad year for me. Oh, is that right? Did not, did not, was not happy that year. But freshman, junior, senior year, I'm pretty sure I had good grades each time. Well, there you go. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you've learned more about us at the end of our podcast. You, if you've made it to this point in the podcast – you, I would say probably all of you, I haven't looked at all of the analytics, but I would say 
90% of you that are listening to this probably had a better GPA than both of us. So I don't know what that means, but um, I'm just telling you, mine nothing. mine was just a fuck. <laughs> it gets you to college. No, yeah. It gets you to college. Yeah. That's yeah. what it means. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> I was actually I was I was talking to I was talking to Zach Lowe and he told me he he graduated with a two point oh so yeah. <laughs> there you go me and Zilch sorry <laughs> just kidding <laughs> I think I think he went to like an Ivy League school yeah. all right he t- did, he, did he tell us that on our show we talked about that right I think yeah we he did oh by December. the way shout out to him and Kevin Artovitz because I was listening to the pod today and they shouted me out about something regarding Ben Simmons um too smart. Two smarties. Yeah, they're you're, just you're, chopping you're it up. Yeah, I anyway. mean, you're the third big brain. <laughs> Should bring you in. I just want to make it clear: my GPA was only because I didn't care, <laughs> <laughs> not because I wasn't smarter than you. Yeah, I, yeah I <laughs> not mean, you. I'm saying everyone. Yeah, of course, yes. everyone. Yeah, you would have I been don't... a 4.0. Well, listen, you could have been the valedictorian if you wanted to be. Could have been. But you didn't care about that. You want you wanted been. To, that wasn't the means you want. Could have been. Mm-hmm. I think my mom was second. She like still is mad to this day. Really? Wow. Oh yeah. She was second. Yeah. Oh wow. God. I one last quick story. I went to my parents' high school. I went to go walk through the halls. And in my parents' high school, they have these posters of every graduating class. Okay. So you like flip through the posters. And you see like the graduated class and then it'll say the person and it will say like everything, you know, that they were involved in, whatever. And so I flipped to my mom's graduating year and I flipped over at my mom's and it's like, I mean, it's like, Kevin, it's like a page. It was like class president, salutatorian, <laughs> you know, science club, basketball team, like all the like a million things. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like. My mom was like, miss everything. And I flipped over. My parents were high school sweethearts. Mm. They've been married 60-something years now. That's amazing. Yeah. But uh, I flipped open on that. No, it's actually 52 years they've been married. I'm sorry. 52 Mm. years. But I... I flipped, That's wild. I flipped years. Up. So my Ooh. my parents went to the Congrats to them. Hit 50. They That's went to, amazing. They went to the same high school. <laughs> I flipped open. I found my dad, Bill Vernon. I found it. Bro, it said golf team. Golf team. <laughs> it was it. So only thing he did in high school ever. That's ever. Great. He didn't do anything. He didn't have golf any accolades. Team. No nothing. And my mom had like a thousand things under it. I'm like, how did you get her? How? How? How did you get her? You did nothing. You know what I mean? But so I think uh, now I just say I got my I got my mom's brain. I think I hope. <laughs> Chris Vernon. Anyway, Verna Damas. Verna yeah. Damas. Verno Damas. Yeah, she passed Verno on Damas. the Verno Damas brain. Um, she did. <laughs> all right. Hopefully we have a uh, great weekend of basketball and we got some games to talk about uh, that are worthwhile of talking about on Tuesday. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to us again. Kev, I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Have a great weekend, everybody.